Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss Sharon Tate, Buttigieg, and trash. Don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. All right, we're back, man. What's going on? Hey. All right, what happened? You know, this is a weird week. It's a weird week. It's a weird week. Weird. I've weird. had a very busy week, and then today it just feels like I'm trying to start the engine, but it's flooded. I'm just Same. not. I'm over this week. Like, let's get to the next one. I'm. I'm would be happy to also not get to the next one. I'm like very. I'm very. <laughs> no more weeks. Absolutely fine with me if it all ends now. Totally good with that. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, it's we had two Democratic debates this week. Oh, we my had. God. Um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. Oh, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. I haven't seen it yet. Trump is racist. Still? Huh. I don't know. I'm just like. Uh, Lil Nas X is now the chart record holder on Billboard. Which I think is. Oh, oh, oh. The Epstein DNA thing is great. That's great. That's yeah. Good. Good stuff. It's, a, it's just one of those weeks that just kept happening at it was you. a week it was a week that wouldn't stop it was like the terminator of weeks where you're like you blow a bunch of holes and you're like well this thing's dead and then it just like gets up it like does that thing where it gets up like kind of like um like a shadow shadow da- not shadow dancer like moonwalk moonwalker stuff what was the name of the michael jackson game on uh genesis moonwalker yeah like you know he does that thing in the um in the smooth criminal video mm-hmm. like it's kind of like how the terminator gets up Comes right back it's like up a more, and you're like, God, now it's going to kill Mackenzie Davis. It's like more extreme. Oh, yeah. She was in the – was she in the new movie? Is she in the show? She's in the new the new thing. Terminator Dark Fate. Movie. Yeah, Dark I'm Fate. I'm like so over people like retconning sequels. I don't know. I am kind of pumped for this. Why? One. There's been a lot of Terminator movies that I wasn't pumped for. I don't know. I Look, just the, like the it. Fucking, We've got John Connors returning. Yeah, who cares? The fucking circle ends with Terminator 3, the best film of the franchise. It makes it's Wrong. fucking great. Wrong. It's actually the best Terminator. T2 is the best Actually, one. it's not. that Because you have to see T3, and then you're like, wow, this actually is the best one. And You're like those guys who are like, Revenge of the Sith is better than any of the original trilogy. Revenge of the Sith is the <laughs> pinnacle of the Star Wars uh, films. I think we know that. No, it's like now it's like people who are like Rogue One is actually the best movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually, about all about Rogue One. No, you know what? I liked. I did. I loved Rogue One for like five minutes at the end. For five yeah. minutes at the end of Rogue One. I walked away and I went, I had such a good no, time. I, and then on reflection, I went, nah. I was like, the whole thing, <laughs> no, the entire thing was like, I was like, I, my whole thing was like, what, what is this? Why am I here? And then for five minutes at the end, I was like, oh, shit. No, you did not. <laughs> Anyhow, you should see Rogue One, but really just, you can like, you can look at Twitter for uh like nine most for like 95 of minutes of that movie you can just like be checking twitter it's no problem you just need to make sure you check out like the end part um do you want to talk about the debates i guess so fine you want to front load this with bullshit i here's what i, I mean we, here's what i have to say about the debate. just give like a hot take or two i don't listen i don't give i don't there's no point in talking about individual candidates this is all i have to say is like the democrats are having a debate where they're like how should we handle climate change? And they're like, and their action, the actual problem is they're like, we all think climate change is a problem. Let's do something about it. They're like, immigration, we've got to improve this. This is, you know, they're all like, no more detention centers, no more concentration camps, no more kids in cages. Every Democrat, there's no Democrat who's like, actually, I like the kids in the cages. Why, why don't we keep doing that? So, like, on a f- kind of like fundamental, nobody's like, I am against abortion. There's nobody on the stage who's like, feels that way. They're like having these like kind of frankly piddly fucking arguments about like Barack Obama's record and, um, you know, like how they would handle climate change. And it all seems like really dumb theater to me because we're not even having that conversation in America. In in America, no one's like 30 second sound bites of everybody trying to charm 
you out outrage the last person, agree with the person who isn't a threat to them, and then also get in a plug. And it's like to do that over and over again over the course of two nights yeah, for four total hours. It's, it's actually it's CNN, actually five hours. They actually were like two and a half hours a piece or something. But like while the CNN commentators are framing questions being like, you know, is it even possible to stop climate change? And everyone on stage is like, yes. And they're like, I don't know. Pivoting. What do you think? Should we help people who are sick? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. yeah, I guess. And they're like, hmm. And then Elizabeth Warren goes, I would actually like to cite some. Po-. And they go, we don't have time. And no, then no, we get an no, ad no, the, for the CNN. The, the fucking CNN <laughs> format. The fucking CNN format was absolutely the worst. It's like, I mean, literally, I didn't hear I mean, a single person. I, I don't even com- feel. I don't even feel like we even need to talk. Like the moderators are terrible. Oh, no, no. CNN is so terrible. Jake, These are Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, who by the way can go to fucking hell. He's like, he's like. So, do you support raising taxes on the middle class to to pay for Medicare for all? And it's like, I mean, at least like to to Bernie's credit, he was like, that dude. That's a Republican talking point that you're using. This is not a real question. He's like, and also uh, these fuckers are advertising on CNN right now, which I thought was like, frankly, Bernie's best moment from any of these totally. debates. But I mean that, and I wrote the bill. I wrote, yeah, the, yeah, damn I wrote, bill. I wrote the damn bill. <laughs> but but like, but like, I will say like, first off, the some of the people who are in these fucking debates, these less than 1% polling motherfuckers, Steve Bullock from Montana <laughs> can like kiss my ass. Like, do I do not need to hear this motherfucker talk over a genius level person like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders? I have to hear Steve Bullock's rhetoric. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Steve Bullock is not going to be the fucking at nominee. Least, I'm, at least, frankly, Marion Williamson showed up to, to put on a show, baby. I mean, she showed up to do an old style cabaret about the psychic crystal. Guys like John Delaney or whatever has like 29,000 Twitter followers. Like, I know Twitter's not like the be all end all, but I'm sorry. Like, by like, I feel like I feel like I could have gone up there and there would have been more people interested in what I had to say than fucking John Delaney. Yeah, sure. You should be running. I'm thinking about, the I'm thinking, yeah, me and uh, Vermin Supreme are actually a, it's a ticket where I'm going to wear a, I'm going to wear a high heel on my head. He'll be wearing his boot. Of course. Does anybody remember Vermin Supreme? The guy's fucking amazing. Oh, absolutely. He's the best. Um, but wait, but so anyhow, I, I just go ahead. I, I don't know. I was going to say I just I, somebody tweeted. I think it was Carrie O'Donnell on Twitter tweeted. Um. Like if this is the what we're doing tonight, just let Marianne Williamson smoke on stage. <laughs> like if this I, is how I, it's going to be, a, like yeah. let Elizabeth Warren sit at a desk. Let Bernie Sanders have a megaphone. <laughs> like if we're just going to do a full on cartoon character show, if that's what people yeah. want, let's no, do it. Will, let's get a cartoon, baby. I will say there were moments of sanity. One, one, one thing. I just sorry. I just want to say. I just want to like. I just think part of the the problem with these debates is like it's like I need I need to hear. Um, like uh biden and harris and Buttigieg and and booker and like i need to hear like actual people who are viable candidates talk yeah, to each honestly, talk to each other i know i know why people get upset about this i know it's like when you when it, it, it's like asking for a fucking literacy test before people do vote like it, in, in actual practice we probably shouldn't but wouldn't wouldn't it be a palate cleanser to have an adult like a like a varsity night and then a JV night, like, wouldn't that just no, be no, yes. so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, I'm also, I'm like, I'm like, if the, if the argument is, you know, this is how democracy, first off, debates on cable television are not a part of like our inherent democracy. Like they are not, they are an entertainment spectacle. They are not, this is not like some kind of prescribed, like, you know, if we're, if we're actually living in reality right now, I think we know that, that Trump has abandoned all norms that we've accepted and i think we should accept in like in that reality in that framing we should also go like maybe some of the things that we take as norms are actually bad because some of his norms that he's thrown out are really good and we've destroyed some important things about how we like handle ourselves but like the idea that the that the debates of any primary are some kind of like holy situation that's like a a democratic right is insane it's a CNN and fucking and MSNBC or whoever else having these has decided to do them, but also we're also more than a year out. Yes, from but the also actual the, the, the demo the Democrats need to they like what is it? What are you trying to do? Allow for a Trump style candidate? Like you're like maybe Marianne Williamson will just have like get some juice that 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 Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden couldn't or Elizabeth Warren couldn't, and like he'll become the the you know you know. 
uh, or she'll become the front runner. It's like, is that a thing that we're trying well, to manifest? Because if so, if, it's really if, dumb. If, if, if we are trying to manifest that, if the DNC, if there's a faction within the DNC proper that thinks that we need some of that fucking flash and bang whiz bow music man shit, why not work with the candidates who are intelligent and front runners already and say, hey, we need a little more razzle dazzle. We need a little more showmanship. And then sit with Elizabeth Warren and be like, each candidate is going to have some time with AOC and the squad to learn how to like fucking be lightning rod. Yeah. If that's what we're going to do, instead of being like, you know, who's got razzle dazzle, that lady who wants to pray away AIDS. Yeah. Let's get her on the I, stage I, for some two and a half I, hours. I, like, what are we talking no, about? And, and it's like, and it's like the media, the media is so blind and stupid and desperate that they are literally fall right back into their old patterns of like, you know, how many articles did I read about Marianne Williamson and her incredible, incredible performance and how she's, you know, tr you know a different kind of voice. And by the way, like we think there's some value in this country. There's this like fake idea that essentially Republicans have sold, which is like, I'm not part of the system. I'm outside the system. It's like, I don't, it's like, I don't know if Republicans have sold it so much as they have co-opted what has been going on, which is the attention economy, the like, like supporting like blind loyalty to small influencers has like become a thing where you're like, she's just trying to make a buck. Like, you know, she's just, you know, like uh, that girl's selling, you know, whatever shitty product and she's bad for little girls to look at, but why do you hate on her? It's just her Instagram account. And like that has spread across society where like we took, I think I really believe we've taken anti-bullying so far that we are now at the point where like, we have to let everybody talk and there's no shaming of horrible people yeah, because yeah. what if they have a point yeah, no. and the discourse, freedom of speech, everybody should be allowed to tweet. Every tweet should be promoted. And it's not fair if we don't let Steven Crowder. And I just feel like we're in a place society wise and and Republicans jumped on that and took it as far as they could. And that was a bet that they won. And we didn't do that because we see the problem well, long term well, going down that well, road. I mean, they they they. I think the, the the reality of the Republicans is that like what was hidden about the Republicans is now more transparent than ever. And I think that what has worked for them is that we live in a country full of like, you know, legitimate racists or people who are very ignorant. Like there's a lot of people who are very ignorant about the rest of the country. And it's it's like to prey on that and to play into it has been very effective for them. I, I don't think it's ever been, I don't think their strategy has ever been different, but I think now it's just more like, it's outward facing and they have like, a and maybe it was the right moment for that. Strategy, well, I mean, I, like I mean, I mean, people got really scared when they had a black president, they were extreme. I mean, the reality is that like Barack Obama made racists in this country, super scared. Like, you know, it was the moment for them where they realized that their monopoly on power was going to come to an end. And I think that made everybody really freak the fuck out, which is how we end up with Donald Trump. But also, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but anyhow, the point is, I just think this concept that it's necessary to have this, that there are going to be people who are like, you're not being fair. <clears throat> I'm sorry. If you're pulling at like 1%, you know, and you can make the argument, well, Donald Trump was pulling at 1% or whatever, you know, it's like, but not at this but, point, no, but, he wasn't. Check it out. Donald Trump is like a one in a billion stuff. If you told me that George Clooney was pulling at 1% right now. I'd be like, yeah, but he should definitely be at the debates, you know, like because George Clooney has like a whole other thing going on, right? Like Marion Williamson and Steve Bullock are not George Clooney or Donald Trump. But don't you think it's also partially and maybe this is really out of line and I didn't tweet this even though I thought it both oh, nights. Boy. I watched the first night live and then the next night I was out. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I was like, I can't do this two nights in a row. Um, and I actually wish that I'd stuck around and watched the debate because I didn't like that movie. Uh, but I watched all the clips and then I thought. And maybe this is out of line, but isn't Donald Trump like the ultimate version of the thesis statement of Republicans, which is like stupidity, rhetoric, racism, reactionary bullshit, fear, money. Whereas when people are like Marianne Williamson, is she the Trump of the left? No, the Trump of the left is Bernie or Elizabeth because they are the most pure version of what Democrats are always chasing. Republicans were always chasing racism. They were always chasing a race to the bottom. They were always chasing a worship of money and stupidity and 
all of that stuff. It feels like what Democrats are always going after is like pragmatic solutions and, you know, like rethinking the way that we do things, uh, regardless of if it hurts people who are quote unquote hurts people who are doing fine because we see these huge scale problems and we feel like we, we can get really smart people to come up with solutions and we want to do like ambitious ambitious technological and societal progress and the ultimate thesis statement of that is not marion williamson doing a fucking yoga retreat with kombucha and fucking essential oils the ultimate thesis although that exists on the left Mm. the ultimate thesis of what democrats are going after is like a wonky educated person who understands what it's like for the worst among us and wants to fight for them even if it upsets like those in power and even if it like is uncomfortable for a little while and so the comparisons there don't work for me. And I'm sick of seeing the like chasing of someone else's ideal. Like we're never going to convince conservatives to vote That's for us. The... So why are we going to get a right, cartoon character right. in there or someone who speaks to their centrist evil concerns? Because there will always be someone way farther to the right for them. Uh, you know, I think that Pete Buttigieg had a great moment where he sort of spoke to this, which is like, you know, he was like, if we do, if we go too far, you know, if we go far, super far left, the Republicans will call us uh, crazy socialists. If we go really hard center, they'll call us crazy socialists. So he's like, why don't we just do the thing that is the right thing to do? And it's fucking, yeah. And it's fucking true. It's like, and by the way, there were a couple of those moments in all these debates, like Elizabeth Warren, I would say Buttigieg, um, Booker had some of these like moments on the second night. Um, uh, Warren certainly had them. Uh, um uh uh who am i who am i blanking on right now kamala Harris. uh yeah but less so i mean like but like the, the i'm just coming up with yeah names, you're just right? talking about it no, no no but like the thing where elizabeth warren was like you know it's so weird that all these people want to run t- to be the nominee and they're like they say that we can't do anything or whatever her thing was and it's like oh yeah like you're cutting oh bernie with the thing with the ad stuff like oh the you know insurance companies are advertising here and also you know this question is a republican talking point we're like we seem to cut through this eerie this unreality that has been projected there is that a, is the thing people like about aoc is she talks like a normal normal yes. person and she says what the thing is yes. she doesn't talk like, like in pr like, speak around like the it. idea she doesn't say like there are many concerns on the table between business and personal and we have to find a way she goes Healthcare companies waste a ton of money paying themselves. And if we cut them out, you will end up paying less yeah. money for the same product. And it is insane to and, and, and you know who had a good moment with this was Chris Matthews talking with Elizabeth Warren after the debate. Over and over again, he's like, Well, will people's taxes go up? And she's like trying to tell him the amount of money total you will spend will go down. You'll call it a tax rather than an insurance payment, but it will go down significantly because logically we won't have to pay a bunch of insurance I mean, company it's, employees it's, to do nothing. It's just like, listen, like, I mean, just like hearing, hearing, just talking words, you know, hearing a fucking, this guy, Jake Tapper, who is, is, I mean, they literally, I mean, it's CNN, by the way, fuck CNN. I mean, seriously, fuck it so hard. It sucks God, so they bad. They are just a cluster mm. And but, everything but they the do hearing, is to set up further yeah, ratings for hearing, them down the line. hearing him ask over and over again this Republican fucking talking point, and, and I, sitting, I was sitting there the whole time going like, how are they actually responding to this question without calling out the question itself? And like when Bernie said it, I was like, God damn, I'm so fucking pleased that there's a human being on stage who's willing, willing to fucking say in reality what is going on. And I think like the problem with all of this stuff is like, like we need people to speak like about reality in a way that humans speak. And the more that the, the more that the democratic candidates do that, the more they embrace like being human beings. And by the way, I think a big problem with Hillary is that her campaign was so lofty and so vague and so like up in this kind of like ether of politics you know that like there were people who were who may have been swayed like what did stronger together mean right it didn't mean anything and like the 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 fact is like the people who might have been swayed who may have disliked Hillary Clinton but could have been swayed because she actually had a lot of good solid policies that were real insanity and was sane like it was just lost because she was never real very like people like couldn't find like the realness there and that is like a democratic problem i mean it's a problem for politicians generally but like it is a problem with the Democrats where you we are still having these conversations where instead of answering the question from Jake Tapper as if Jake Tapper is like the foremost fucking expert on healthcare, the the right response is to say, Jake Tapper, what the fuck are you talking about? Right? Like the right response is to say, 
the shit you're the right response is to ask who wrote this question right. and why right. did they exactly. work this way what is the goal of the person who wrote this question around a republican talking point and frankly someone on stage like should have taken what bernie did it maybe it should have been bernie and gone a step farther and say why are you asking it this way? What is your goal here? Because you're not pushing sanity forward. You're not getting to the core of this issue. You, the questions you are asking right now are just meant to be 30-second fights so that we will fight like real housewives at a reunion right. and not I mean, like, productive to the discussion. They literally gave them 30, right, 30 seconds to answer a question. It was insane. I like didn't hear a single candidate answer an entire question because like as they started their answer – they're like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to cut you off. It's like, um, but isn't this a little bit like Twitter and social media's fault, where we're like, now we talk in these ways that are just like pithy 280 character sentences and clapbacks, and like maybe public policy isn't best debated in the Twitter. I mean, format. this is this is exactly my point. All right, let's stop talking about this because ultimately it's a very boring topic that I hate, and I'm mad that we talked about it for so long. <laughs> and hopefully you'll find some room in there to cut that out because cut some of that bullshit out because. I can't stand talking about this particular topic. I'm like, there's going to be a, a, a whittling down. We're going to find ourselves with a handful of extremely qualified, smart people who should be the next president, any one of them. And, and you know, again, I want to stress this. Like, if it's, I mean, I don't really, like, I think, I think Biden's performance has been particularly poor in these debates. I mean, I, I do not, I, I was never, I'm not like a Biden stand by any measure, I was kind of like Biden will be fine. I'm like less convinced Biden will be fine based on his performance in these debates, which I think is a good thing. But in terms Listen, of go to Joe eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, whatever the fuck. <laughs> I, when I look at people now, like Harris, Warren, Buttigieg, Sanders, Booker, uh, uh, Castro. I mean, there's a handful of people there, and I go, this person would be a fucking amazing president. You know, and like I feel fine and comfortable with them, and I don't worry. I would rather Jay Inslee at this point. I mean. Yeah, I mean, let's not, I mean, let's not get crazy, but fine. Yes, I'd rather any of them. I mean, look, to be honest with you, I'm sorry. Marion Williamson is, is a fucking idiot, in my opinion. Her ideas are insane, and some of them are, like, frankly dangerous. She is less stupid and crazy than Donald Trump. That's my opinion. That's like my, <laughs> it's true. In my I mean, it's true. In my official opinion, she, like, a person who can speak even remotely intelligently on reparations is smarter and better than Donald Trump. Like I'm openly mentally ill and I would be a more stable force for the country. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just like <laughs> it doesn't take a lot. We just need somebody better than the person we have now because like we're really yeah. we're really in kind of a we're all going to die. We're in a bad place. Like like we're all going to yeah, die. This is like if we don't this do is this. the darkest timeline now. How do we get out of it? I think we all want to know. I think we're all curious. And now let's talk about something else cuz I'm getting bummed out. But anyhow, vote Vote, just vote. That's all I want people to do. I want them to vote. I skipped the second debate because I, the first night really darked me out and I like started vaping halfway through and it only made things worse and I didn't really see a way out. So I was like, all right, I'll watch the clips later and I'll like get catch some of the like tweet highlights, but I can't do this for two and a half hours sustained. So I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with my friend Rachel Lichtman, who is this amazing um, artist and director who uh, she she's one of the people who doesn't she's like a historian for cultural the cultural artifacts and landscape of the 20th century but she doesn't fetishize it which is a really important i think distinction so when we saw once upon a time in hollywood it was kind of the perfect person to see it with because she's been doing this program called network 77 which you can find online um which is a like a super 70s hyper um, tongue-in-cheek, but also very realistic recreation of the, an hour of 70s TV every episode. Mm. Um, and it, we saw it together, and I didn't read any of the reviews, and I didn't look at the Twitter commentary. I just muted the keywords because I was like, I love Tarantino. There are Jackie Brown, uh, both Kill Bills, like they're masterpieces, and I and I I under I can hear critiques about them, but they were genius level, galaxy brain, amazing works of art. So I was like, let me go into this fresh. Um, I didn't love it. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, there were parts of that movie that I liked there. Brad Pitt is phenomenal, uh, in that movie. And I'm, I've never been like a fan of his acting particularly. Um, and, but there's whole chunks of that movie that I just feel like they feed into the worst of what we were just talking about. Like we're our worst cultural instincts. And 
I, like, I, I don't know. I, I walked away really disappointed. And there's a lot of stunt casting going on within the movie. Like Margot Robbie or Sharon Tate doesn't really work. And Lena Dunham shows up at one point. Um, there's a whole thing with Bruce Lee that makes no sense and is vaguely racist. Mm. But not even in Tarantino's usual, like, uh, I'm consciously being racist as a way to comment on racism thing. Do you know what I mean? And then at the end, there's a twist that just no spoilers away and it, it still doesn't work. No spoilers, Ryan. And I just think, I mean, I think everybody knows at this point that this is part of his revenge fantasy series. And to treat what happened in the Tate LaBianca murders on the same level as what happened in Nazi Germany, like with the same filmmaking style and reaction or the same level of what happened during the American antebellum or the American like slavery period is really weird and feels unearned. And the whole movie, I just didn't really care for. And I was so disappointed. And I walked away thinking like how much time and money and energy was spent on bringing this vision to life when, and, and it feels like he as an artist is like calcified when there's so many people who have exciting things to make or stories to tell that won't like ever get that chance. And maybe I'm just talking like about a very specific movie of, by a very specific filmmaker that was going to get made. But it just felt to me like, oh, this is what's wrong with like Hollywood at the moment is that we're so busy doing like reboots and letting people who've done good work do whatever they want, whether or not like they have good ideas that we don't like. There's nothing new. And I think I'm getting like fed up with like Stranger Things 3 existing rather than something new. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Well, I think I'm just done. Well, you know, new is really hard. And we are in an age of like constant referencing. I mean, we now believe that culture is referencing. We believe that culture is Funko Pops. There are moments in that film where we see women's feet and it is supposed to be his signature move, but it just felt like a like a he knew that we knew that he knew he wanted feet in the movie, so he was going to do it and wink at the camera and break the fourth wall. And it's like, just release a Funko Pop with its bare feet out and just call it the Tarantino Funko wow. Pop. Like, if that's what you want to wow. do, why did this movie get... It just... I feel like we exist in a time of just, like, reboots. I haven't it. seen it, but what I know is true is that, you know... Like what we think of as culture is often like a recycled version of some other culture. And but at least it felt like didn't it feel like Madonna was referencing fucking Marilyn Monroe? Well, yeah, and, no, she and, was she was, but 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 it didn't feel like fucking the spark notes version. Well, right, right. Know. No, no, no. That's right. I mean, I just you know, it's look, it is a it is a I mean, there's a, there's a, somebody wrote on this, a, a really good smart theory. And I wish I could think of who it is now about how like, sort of like, you know, we stopped creating new culture, you know, about 20 years ago now, uh, maybe even longer. And, um, and what we're doing now is recycling old culture and, you know, sort of like the remix is now considered like the way that we, you know, create new culture, but it is like, there's a fatiguing quality to that, that, um, you know, you know, there were things like like Bauhaus, you know, not the band, but the the school of design. It's like it was like radical, like a radical new idea. You know, there are things that like brutal. There, there are things in you don't have to like yeah. it, but it was purposefully there new. Are things in fashion that that up to a point were like radically new concepts about like how people should dress and present themselves. You know, but like increasingly, what we've done is 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 we become, um, like so nostalgic and nostalgia has become so easy remember it was it was never it has never been before in history this easy to look back at something this is the this is the first generation of people who at any moment at any time wherever they are can look immediately back to a specific thing a specific point in time a specific um um era and say like this is what it was right like if you wanted to know things about if you were if you were if you were a a a young person in the 1970s and you wanted to know what the 1920s were like you didn't have there was no easily accessible place to discover what that was like you know and yes this creates new things and new remixes and new riffs but it also means that we're reflexively and constantly looking at something previous to chart what we're trying to do now and i think that there's so few pockets where originality and true like new culture happens that it's sort of like you know it becomes fatiguing to an audience everything just feels 
reverse engineered for likes or reverse engineered for public consumption and the amassing of of money. It just well, of I, I know I, just, I mean look at the look at I mean look at Stranger Things Stranger Things is a great is a great example. I mean I mean you can't tell me for a second that there is not some big data at play as they think about, you know, what looks to use, what, you know, what songs to use, how to tap into like, you know, people who were like raised in the eighties, you know, or like are know the eighties as kids now need to like feel a, this kinship to this brand. But, and by the way, I like stranger things and I enjoyed it, but like there is absolute, it is like a little bit of a cartoonish, like looking backwards. It is like, this is so like on the nose and so sort of unabashedly, playing into this like desire for nostalgia but it's also the thing of just being like i liked this i'm going to copy this i made this i own this i'm original like the stranger things guys took a lot from et and it do you know what i mean and like now it's like well that's stranger things and anybody who does who tries to take something from et or it even the it remake was just called a stranger things copy even though it was the original and i just feel like tarantino pulls some references from the 60s that haven't been co-opted yet and now he's like now he owns them and they're canonized because of him and it bothers me because like paul revere and the raiders he doesn't own that and now anybody who uses that or like or like anybody who who makes a reference to that it's gonna be a tarantino homage and it's so lazy. It's a retweet. It's not a movie. But to be fair, and I haven't seen it, but to be fair, I mean, Tarantino sort of invented the new age of cinema where looking back and looking back at things that frankly were obscure and difficult to see um, was a thing. I mean, prior to, to stuff like Pulp Fiction, movies weren't made like Pulp Fiction before Pulp Fiction. I mean, it is a, a seminal like film. I mean, it changed filmmaking. Totally. You know, and, but it feels like he's been doing that same thing. Well, he, he certainly saying. has, but I think he's had pockets of like total genius. Like I think Inglorious Bastards is like a hilarious cartoon. No, it's like, great. You know, it's like it, he found a, a way to do something with like Nazi Germany that beca- that's like so cartoonish and exaggerated and absurd that it's like, it's like this kind of weird, you know, pleasure. Um, which worked really well. You know, I think to some extent the Kill Bill movies were similar, though I think I think if we I haven't seen them in a while, I'm guessing if I look at them now, I'm gonna be like, Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that But the stunt casting in the Kill Bill movies, for example, felt cool because it was someone you know doing something you'd never seen but also existed and that maybe you should have known. And so it was like there was a there was a theory working behind how it was casted and what he chose those actors to do. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is about famous people, and then he stunt casted famous people to play those famous people, and it just it feels like it would have been so much more effective with like a cast of unknowns, because then it would have been like all the things you already know are there, and then there's a fresh element to it. Whereas this just felt like a pile of stuff I already knew and references to Tarantino's original things, but which we've already seen and are no longer original if you do them again. And it, I, I just feel like we're in a we're in an era of like. Instead of sampling a little riff from a song that most people don't know and making your own song out of it and being like Kanye, we're just like a pile of like, you know, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, we are family, yeah, yeah. Lady Marmalade. Yeah. And it's like, that's not an original song. No, it's, 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 um, you know, you, you do become like, you do become like, it's one of these things, and this kind of happened, I feel like in the early 2000s as well, and maybe I just sort of noticed it, like, People would start their conversations would become like sound bites. They were like they would start talking, and it was almost like like if you were speaking to Austin Powers, you know, like people would start mm-hmm. saying things that were just like familiar phrases, not just like things that get into like the you know, not just things that like worked their way into our language, but I felt like people started talking in a way that sounded like they were sampling other bits of conversation and sampling other things that it's people like say. It's like using a script. I mean, it's like how people talk in corporations. You know, like, let's put a pin in it. Or, or um, you know, talking about shit like action items or whatever. I mean, it's just, you become like, yeah. you start to sample other people's conversation. And that's true. Synergy. That's natural. Yeah, synergy. But like, I think, I feel like it started happening in like casual conversations in a way. And yeah, the long and short of it is like, this sort of lifestyle is fatiguing. It is fatiguing to constantly look back and to check your references. And it is fatiguing to constantly present it with new culture that requires you to understand old culture. Actually, 
we could I could dovetail this into a little bit about the hit New Hills series, which I you know as of course everybody knows we've been watching, and and there the Hills the New Hills reality show is a really interesting example of like a, a show that I think believes that its audience will be googling or Wikipediaing like the stories that are being discussed on the show, and therefore they don't actually have to fill in the blanks. So like people have conversations about things that never happen on the show that never happened in the span of when they were doing the show that, that yeah, it's not like earned within it sort of like how once upon a time in Hollywood, if you don't know every detail of the Manson family, yeah. you would not understand the, the twist or what is yeah. happening. In the, the, movie. the, 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 it's like, it's like there are conversations happening in that show where I, it feels like I need to have done some kind of like pop culture homework to, to yeah. like grasp the thing. But like the show assumes that of course I've done it. And so you end up with these like completely nonsensical conversations, like where people are like, oh my God, the thing that happened with my family, I just can't handle it. And they're, and then somebody's like, wow, it's so hard. You know, you've been through so much. And they're like, I know. And I'm just scared because I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm like, literally, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is the actual topic of conversation right now? You seem to know and you seem to think I know, but I don't fucking know. And I do think that's a, like a product of this environment that we live in now where it's like where it's like everything's available all the time. And so we start to kind of like take for granted one that like not everybody actually knows everything. And two, that like, this is the normal flow of discourse that it is. It is normal to be referential in our discourse rather than like present. And I think that's like, I mean, yeah, it is getting to the point where you watch any of the Bravo shows. And if you haven't also seen the watch what happens live clip that went viral and a social media post from here and someone's obscure tweet that was problematic and got retweeted and talked about on the Bravo recap podcast that eventually you would not understand what's happening on the show. And it's like nothing exists within itself. It all exists. I was actually tweeting about this last night, which is kids today grow up having consumed no media, no ideas, no new information without a comment section or like an audience watching yeah, them watch yeah. it or knowing that their reaction could yeah, at any point become we, we, a universal. We talked about this last week. It's like, what's internal. It's like, if the, if the, if the front facing stuff is on Instagram and the blooper reels are on YouTube, you know, what is the internal dialogue? The internal dialogue is like rehearsal. Basically, like before you can reflect on The Handmaid's Tale, there's a segment that auto plays on Hulu talking about behind what the making of The Handmaid's Tale and what the writers were thinking. You don't wait for the DVD commentary and having formed your own opinion. You just straight up are given the opinions of the filmmaker. Now. Right. No, it's um, it's weird and it's tiring and I feel like I can't keep up and I can't appreciate everything. And I feel also feel like every social media platform and every article and every blog demands that I have, have seen every piece of media and it's associated content as it comes out. And I, it's not like healthy for my brain or like my understanding of like art. Yeah. It's, it's anyhow, we're in a very dangerous time. It's why we need to destroy the internet as I've been saying for many years. Well, Speaking of uh, completely original ideas, yes. uh, Lil Nas X oh. is now the number one. The has the record for the long, most weeks at number one of any artist on the Billboard. Hot well, you know, I was thinking about that actually. Um, like, I was thinking about Lil Nas X in the context of this, and actually, Lil Nas X is like doing exactly what we're talking about, which is like it's like meme culture, it's remix culture, it's like you know he's referencing stuff, um, you know. He's referencing stuff that is frankly like nostalgic and also like I mean, I will say to his credit, he's made a he made a joke song into a hit. And, you know, that's like and it's very is weird out. A bit more transparent than just him. like a cover. Well, I mean, yeah. Sure. A bit more. I'm not saying I mean, completely I, I, I mean being sarcastic. When I, I mean, I mean original. when I hear when I hear the song, I it's impossible not to hear a person who's like very haphazardly and without any real sense of giving a shit doing like a quote unquote like country song that's like he's kind of making fun of country music and like yeah the debate about and and the i mean the billy ray verse is making fun of hip-hop right. culture the debate, like it's the de totally the, a reactionary the debate, song and the debate about whether it's like country and like if it's a breakthrough or whatever is like it's like saying like you know like it was weird al yankovic like rock music or whatever like when weird al yankovic got like a number one hit or whatever he got by doing like a joke cover of nirvana it's like is weird al doing like rock music it's like it doesn't really matter because this isn't it or saying is scary movie or even scream itself 
a horror movie or is it a meta commentary on slasher films from the 80s? Well, it is it is actually both and which is why which is why in fact actually a good example of a way to do nostalgia a way to take the past and turn it into something actually wholly new with a with a self-awareness of the past and a reference to the past um you know it's 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 really interesting i mean that movie scream is a great example of a movie that is like acknowledges literally the creator's past work and then somehow subsumes it inside of something totally new while referencing it i mean it's kind of brilliant he started doing that with New Nightmare, Wes Craven. But, 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 scary movie is is none of the, scary movie is like is the Weird Al Yankovic version in some ways of yeah. of of that movie, which is like, what if this was completely a joke instead of just like a subtle wink inside of something that's real, right? But the way that we're grappling with that at this point, I think, is either celebrating a pile of references and calling it genius because this curator understood to pull all of these things without changing them and putting them in a pile, like a Pinterest board, or we either celebrate that and call that person a genius, or we sue Katy Perry because there's a, there's a random, I mean, this happened this week. She's, she was found guilty for plagiarizing a song that I don't think she'd ever heard that sounds nothing like her song. And it was like a random Christian rap song that kind of sounded a little bit like Dark Horse, but truly they were not similar. And she was found guilty of stealing from that person and had to pay damages. And there's a lot of shit I could tell you I don't like about Katy Perry. And I'm astonished that her hair is still that haircut. Oh my that God. What? The biggest <laughs> career mistake she made. I'm sorry. The biggest career mistake like she Harry made. Russell, she overestimated her ability to change her hair. If that haircut hadn't but, happened, who knows where we'd be right now. But to sue her over that and find damages, it's like, okay, wait, so that's too far? But if she fra- if she straight up jacked a bunch of stuff, it wouldn't have been? Like, I don't know where we lie at the moment where it comes to, like, originality. Like, where the public consciousness, like, how, what is okay and what isn't okay with this stuff? And I, I don't know. I'm just, like, exhausted by it. I also think, like, at a certain point, like, we're... I feel like we're calcifying as a culture. Like this all feels to me very end of an empire. And I mean, I was saying to a friend months ago, like, God, do you, do you think this country will turn it around? And he looked at me and just, and this is a friend who's pretty much a normie who doesn't engage with like media Twitter and doesn't keep up with politics day to day. He like laughed out loud in my face and was like, this, our society is like over. Like we're just repeating the hits and the like worst parts. And I was like, you're right. Like, it feels like this is the end. It absolutely it absolutely is like, I mean, we are at a, we are at a crossroads here. You know, like the reality is like we've accepted stagnation for so long that it's become the norm. It's become it's become like what we are, and and actually, I think like Trump's a good example of like, and even to some extent, and I think Obama was a good president. I think he had some problems, but I think overall he was a he was a truly excellent president for for a country which is truly fucked up in many ways right now but like the trump is a really good example of our of our inability to go forward of like this crossroads and by the way i do think america um very much does like speak to what's happening in america speaks to what's happening in the rest of the world and that's not completely accidental you know i think we are in a place where um there's a question of like, where, where are we going at this point? You know, are we going anywhere? Are we going anywhere good or decent, you know? And are we going forward? And as, as, as empty as that sort of actually sounds, there is a, there is a, there is a quality to it that is important to answer, which is like, what, you know, what, what does the future hold for us? Are we going to, are we going to, um, you know, are we going to go, are we going to do something new or not? Are we going to do new stuff or are we going to just stream friends forever? Right. I mean, the fact that there's, that people are even watching friends in a, in a real way, like that they're talking about it is sort of insane, but like, 
But that's what made me so sad about like the end of Vine because you can say a lot of shit about how it was six seconds in people's attention or whatever. But frankly, it created lots of new cultural moments untied to any other cultural moments, catchphrases, funny things like ideas. Shit was just pouring out of that place. And now we have TikTok, which is just like people mostly lip syncing or doing a funny spin on a hit song. And it's just so weird and depressing. And like, it just feels like new things aren't, we hunger for them, but we're, they're not monetized. Like they're not, the system itself does not encourage you to do anything new. Right. I guess that's what we're with the thesis of what we've been coming at for 45 minutes here. Yeah. But. I mean, essentially we are, we are, yeah, we're in a, I mean, this is why con- the content industry exists in the state that it exists in, you know, I mean, it is why for everything that exists, there are a thousand of them. You know, it is why, like, yeah. it is why a thing that happens must be so thoroughly discussed and investigated and interrogated and and made into content that there is nothing left at the end of it. That there is nothing that you yeah. want at the end of it. You know, we're using every part of the every part of the bull or whatever, or every part of the every deer. part of the animal. Um, yeah, but the but the, from the past to today, but it's also, like just but it's also now. It's also and- now. I mean, it is also the 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 discourse on. I was just having a conversation with somebody about like news and you know the post debate cycle of news, and you're like, I can't. There's whatever I want from this, I can get. It's readily available to me. It's there all the time. It's accessible. It's credible, depending on who you are. And, and so, and so in a way I want nothing from it. I can, I actually can't tolerate anything from it. I couldn't stand to look at a story about it or listen to the pundits talk about it or even think about it. And it's like, that's because, that's because like you essentially, it's like, we've talked everything to death. You know, there is no, there is no like room for my brain to form a thought now because everyone has taken an opportunity to form their own thought. And I have a thousand versions of ideas about what happened last night and what happened 10 minutes ago, you know, but, but even doing this podcast, maybe that's what we're doing. But also I want to point out that the reason I like doing this podcast is that it's, it's an hour every week that the two of us cut all of the everybody else talking out and there's no like sharing for the most part we're not like did you see this look at this youtube video hey did you see what someone said in slack and oh that's a reference to we just sit for this hour and we like talk about how we felt being bombarded by this shit all week and i feel like maybe everyone should do this you know what i mean like maybe everyone should take an hour on a porch somewhere and a tape recorder and just be like what is going on and form their own fucking idea and then move forward with that idea rather than throwing it out immediately and replacing it with the next like viral take from the Atlanta. Yeah, no, it's nuts. It's nuts. And all of it, everything, I mean, I've said this for a long time, but everything dies. Some, at some point in the near future, all of the things that people want now will be things they don't want. And we really do kind of need to start thinking about what we do want and like what it, like what, what existence means. You know, I saw a great stat. There's this thing that's been going around and it's about Twitter and it's something like 80% of the content on Twitter is produced by 10% of the users and only 22% of all Americans have a Twitter account. And and you, when you think about those numbers, and I know there's like, oh, it's like the very important people are talking, but actually it's like I would venture to guess a vast majority of that 10% of content is generated by, sorry, a vast majority of that 80% of content from that 10% of users is actually generated by people who are not, who do not have the authority or like level of intelligence or education or 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 understanding to be like an important voice they just have a fucking following you know and like we've i mean there's specific people i'm thinking of right now me too we've can you comment on everything we've confused we've confused we've confused followings for influence we've confused followings for credibility we've confused followings and like counts and you know what your you know the ratio for like the quality of your, what you actually have to say. And, and so we have, we actually have like a gigantic chamber echo chamber that the people who make a lot of the content stare at constantly for like the people who are making the content for like the world, you know, somebody, I saw somebody the other day and they were like, somebody explained to me why 13 reasons why is still, is still a thing. And, 
you know, because it's on season three, and I guess like there's a lot of controversy about the show because it's like kind of weirdly like pro suicide or sort of like. Well, I mean, Netflix recently was like, we're pulling smoking out of our shows because we don't want kids to see that and think smoking is normalized. But they have a show that's literally all about how cool suicide right. is, but, but they don't pull right, that no, but, but right. And somebody was like, how is this still a thing? And it's like, well, I'll tell you how it's still a thing. The vast majority of people who watch it aren't fucking on Twitter. They're not part of the discourse. And they're not thinking about its like impacts on people who have like suicidal ideation. And what they're thinking is like, this show's fun. And it's on Netflix. Yeah, it, it, there's there's something I haven't seen a show about. Yeah, they're just like the show has like um, handsome people in it, and I like the story, which is like reality. Most people aren't walking around yeah. going like most people. Unfortunately, most people are not walking around going like, "What are we going to do about the crisis at the border? You know, what are we going to do about the concentration camps?" The vast majority of people are walking around going like, "Like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? What is like? Do I have do I have insurance to take care of my family?" Like, I'm not saying, like, we have to, like, dumb shit down, but we do need to recognize that, like, what a lot... That it's our job to talk to them at the, about the things that they are concerned about and about, like, from their perspective culturally and the context within their days and how they're working and not yell at them, guess what we're all talking about on Twitter. But it's like, you know what? I know a lot of people who have PCs. I know a lot of people in jobs that people like Mac fanboys would, like, you know, uh, look down on who use PCs and they're the Mac people would be like, why are they God? Why are they using that fucking shitty PC? And the reality is like the rest of the people are like, I need this to get a job done, which is like, I mean, I'm yeah. to bring it back a little bit to like, you know, this isn't a religious thing for me. I'm literally just using right. a tool. And that's, and, and that's like, in like in life, like, and by the way, I've, I feel like as a person who's had a kid, I've actually gotten a much better appreciation for frankly, what matters and what doesn't. And and what like reality is versus like the irreality or sorry unreality I've used this word incorrectly twice now the unreality of like what the internet and our like own like desire to be seen and liked presents and like it's a pretty big fucking delta between those things it's a pretty but I mean not not to be all coastal elites but. There are times, like, especially in our new office environment, we work with a lot of fashion-forward people, and they always look stunning and chic and cool, and I love it. But sometimes I'm like, God, I'm a dumpy, like, mess. Like, I just fucking wear my shitty stand-up clothes with a stain on it because, frankly, I'm just covering my body in a way that keeps the proportions from looking as weird as they are, and then I leave. And I don't really think I, – I wish – I genuinely wish I had the time and money and – um energy frankly to get back into fashion and like have cool looks and experiment and like get other people's reaction to what i'm wearing but mostly i just buy meme t-shirts because i think they're funny and they fit me normally and i just get through my day because fashion is just for me at this point just a utility and i feel that so acutely in new york and then when i'm in other places i'm like oh everybody looks like me here i in fact i stick out because i buy funny t-shirts as opposed to just whatever they were selling at walmart or wherever whatever i could get at h&m and it's that gulf of like, I don't put a ton of value because I just frankly don't have the time. Right now, my my career is pretty busy. I don't have the time to go to various stores on the weekend and drop $700 or the money to then to look a certain way. And it's not my value. It's not what I'm putting my energy into. And it's that, but it's across all of culture. And, and sometimes I just think we get to the point where my brother and I were talking about Marvel movies and he was talking about how he wants Tony Stark back. And I go, but that's the end of his cycle. That was his story. It was told. And it's time for a new wave of stories and a new vision. And he was like, but I just like Tony Stark. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're right. He likes Robert Downey Jr. He likes the gadgets. He's been spending time with this guy for a long time and he wants it back. And I get it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like, I get it. Totally. Totally, man. All right. Anyhow, let's let's move on. Do we have anything else? to? I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. I'm in like a fugue state. I'm like uh, so down the rabbit hole. I prefer this. I would rather be in a fugue state. All right. Um. Other stuff going on. Can you tell me what's going on with this vaporizing trash thing that you're oh, excited about? Oh, yeah. I don't – I mean, I just saw it. this story. I think it's fucking awesome. It's basically like this this startup. This is the kind of startups like – I like. Well, this is what we need. We need these. Like This is like when people were excited about Elon Musk, it was because of stuff like this. There's a startup, and they've created this uh, furnace that heats garbage to 4,000 degrees, which apparently is very hot. It's like – like double double volcano or something. I don't know. It's really hot. And and it turns it just basically vaporizes like all of the garbage into fuel and it captures the fuel. 
and it's more energy efficient than like traditional like incinerators and it, there's no essentially no emissions because it's ca- it's like recaptured to be used as fuel and so it's doing like fossil fuel stuff over the long term in a really short amount of time yeah basically i mean i don't look i don't i wasn't in the guts of the yeah i'm not asking you you know i, I, I don't know the science i'm not exactly what i would just you know i'm not, I'm not yeah. what you would describe as a professional scientist um but it's just like a it just is like a it seems like a really radical and interesting new idea like we have a lot of like garbage we like we produce an enormous amount of garbage i think this i think about this all the time i mean we sort our garbage here every day i put i might feel like i put out a bag of garbage and it's starting to get to me that like there is so much waste that i create yeah and I don't know what to do about it. Living in like an urban center, I don't know how to change my habits. You know, we were and we were in Shelter Island, which is a an island uh, uh, near Sag Harbor and also Greenport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Greenport. it's great, but Shelter Island's the best. But don't go there because I don't want it to become popular, and it's hard to get to. And anyhow, um, but we were there for a vacation, and there they actually sort because it's such a tiny town. There's only like 1,900 people that live there year round, and um, and uh, they like have crazy sorting, and you have to like go sort it. You have to go to like the town dump and sort it by hand. Like you have to like take the cans and put them in one place, and you take like the kind of like egg cartons and put those in another place, and like super specific. And it got me thinking a lot about you know, how little I know what happens to like I've got a box full of recycling, quote unquote recycling that gets taken. And then, like, I have no fucking idea what happens to it, you know? But anyhow, so, like, we, we produce a lot of garbage. Garbage is a huge problem. Um, fuel production is a huge problem, you know, in this, like, what where we get fuel from. And so it's an exciting technology. It's a big idea. It's like, could we do something better with all of this waste that we're producing? And so it, like, so it, it, it incinerates everything into fuel. And if there are metals, it, like, sorts the met. Like, if it, it melts down the metals and those are, like, deposited in, like, somehow in, like, separate areas, I guess it has some way of, like... It's probably, like, weight. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's weight, something like that. But it's kind of an amazing idea. And I'm looking for the article now and I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Um, it's called Sierra Energy. The technology called Fast OX or Fast Ox uses a modified blast furnace, the same basic equipment typically used to make steel. By injecting pure oxygen into the furnace, the new process starts a chemical reaction with carbon in the waste, heating up the furnace. This doesn't require external energy, Hart says. It's just a chemical reaction of carbon and oxygen. The process also adds steam to regulate the temperature, which sustains itself as the system keeps finding, sorry, keeps feeding in more trash. Any metal inside the garbage melts and can later be reused. While other trash would create methane as it rots in landfill, the extreme heat of the process and the steam create only carbon monoxide and hydrogen. Unlike an incinerator, it doesn't produce emissions as it works. All of the gas is captured for reuse. The gas can be used to create a variety of products from jet fuel to plastic or fertilizer instead of making those products from fossil fuels. If the gas is used to make fuel, that fuel will still produce emissions, but fewer than the fossil alternative. The company's diesel, Hart says, which I guess is the CEO, is 20 times cleaner than the California fuel standard. So that's fucking crazy. So they can create diesel fuel from this process that's 20 times cleaner than the California standard, which is super fucking like extreme. That's amazing. But it's like this stuff and the carbon capture stuff that I guess maybe money is the thing that's standing in the way. And it's like, let's just, we have money as a society. What we don't have is time. Let's just throw all the money we have in it and buy some of ourselves some time. I mean, this is, this is, we can make more money. The, 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 the big, the big issue is, um, change is changing the way these industries work you know their their difficulty now is going to be how do you get um all of these dumps to go like oh we'll do this instead of the other thing because it's going to be expensive you know and that's like that is the thing that really makes it um challenging candidates to change the current incentive structure that's really what this is exactly all right let's do nice uh let's do nice things we've uh, do we miss any important topics for the week I don't think I don't um, think we did. Jeffrey Epstein's DNA. I don't even. Now I'm just so Apple, I'm so bummed. I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, Apple's products and game consoles are all going to be super expensive because Beijing has responded to Trump. Oh, I mean the, the the coming tariff shit is like no one. I mean the 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 economic downturn that Trump is going to induce if he keeps on this path gonna is going to be, be it's going to be so fucking insane. And that'll be I mean that'll be it for him because the only thing he has to stand on is that the economy hasn't collapsed. It's like it's been doing well apparently. 
which nobody understands. Yeah, because of a it's because of all the work Obama did. Like we're on borrowed time. I agree. When it comes to economic. I aid. agree. Um, all right, let's do nice things. Go ahead. Nice things. Um, okay, I'll go first because I always right. do. Um, just another quick plug. My new podcast, The Lost Episode, has made it into almost every store, except I think Spotify takes longer. Almost every store, every podcast store. So if you want to go find that, it's The Lost Episode by Ryan Houlihan. I have a new episode up um, that's about freaks and geeks. And it's it, I cried listening to it. And I that's me being humble. The, my guest was so fucking funny and the episode was so good. So go check that out. That's a nice thing. Um, I went and saw the Beetlejuice musical um, with my family. Uh, we, my parents wanted to spend a day in the city and um, gave me no notice. They told me like right after my karaoke birthday had wrapped and I had had the first hangover I had in like years um, that they wanted to come into the city. And I said, do you have a plan? They're like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I met them in Times Square and they had no plan. Uh, so we just basically walked around Times Square up and down for hours before we saw this play. And it was we ended up in Times Square eating cheesecake on a hot day while this topless woman was 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 next to my brother's 17-year-old girlfriend and everyone was mortified. And then the scam artist started screaming at my dad for not engaging with his cigarette-based money scam and then eventually like the, it was just a it was just a horrifying new york day but mm. eventually we ended up at beetlejuice and beetlejuice was so good and so funny and please if you're in new york go see it the tickets are pretty cheap it needs to run and stay open because it is so good it, they took that it, it is technically like a like a it's based on the property that you know and love but it is so original and it's completely different than the movie and it really like I I don't know how to like I loved it. It felt like something really fresh for Broadway, and I was thrilled. So go see Beetlejuice. Um, and then my last thing was yesterday I was walking around New York looking at real estate for a side project I'm doing, and um, we were looking at studio spaces, and we have a fairly large budget to work with, and. It's not obviously my money, but it was so fun to pretend to be rich for a day, to just go into these insane buildings and like with a broker and like in all dressed up and be like, you know, oh, the amenities, they're trying to like sell me on the place for once. Like they're not kicking me out. Like to be a rich New Yorker is to watch like all the doors open for you. And it was really fun for one day to do that. Um, at one point we were walking past Trump Tower and because we were walking confidently, we didn't realize that the Secret Service had thought we were supposed to be there and just let us go towards the tower like up close. And then eventually we asked like, hey, uh, what's going on here? Why is it all empty? And they were like, are you supposed to be here? And they finally like checked and found out that we weren't and we had to like be rushed away from Trump Tower. Um, and it was very funny. And it was it was just weird for once in my life to be perceived as not, um, you know, street trash mm. who shouldn't be allowed in the mm -hmm. bar <laughs> it was fun so if, if you ever have the opportunity to come from wealth do wow, it wow that sounds amazing <laughs> i love the sounds of that um and i'm very excited to um live that lifestyle as they say um is that is that it for your for your nice things i also bought a virtual boy you have to get back to us on whether that's a nice thing or not i uh yeah. i um i downloaded the witcher three <laughs> I knew, I knew I started it. playing it. And I have to tell you, it is really, I still feel all of the feelings that I felt originally when I played it, where I'm like, there's way, like this company put way too much into this. And I'm, it makes me kind of worried about cyberpunk because there's so much in it. It feels so completely overwhelming and daunting and unfun to play sometimes where I'm like, I don't want to have to like equip like each finger of my glove. Like it'd be fine if you just like, if it's just the gloves, I'm joking. Like it isn't just, it isn't the fingers, but like, it is kind of like that, you know, the longer this goes on, the less piped I am for cyberpunk 2077 and the more stoked I am to play the outer world. So I'm like, <laughs> and it makes me a little sad because I was so excited about cyberpunk. I'm like not, so I have not really see why am I like totally stupid about this game? Like, I don't even know that it exists. It looks so good. You can kill every character at any point in the well, story. Well, that's like Fallout. That's going. like Fallout. Yeah. It looks really good. It just looks really tight and polished and stylized. And now they're coming out with a Switch version, which means I'm obviously going to like, that is it like, the PS4 version. Well, I mean, is this like a totally open world? I'm I'm watching. I'm like watching a trailer right now. I believe so, yeah. I, look, I mean, I'll of course, I'm going to play all of the games. But anyhow, I got The Witcher. My whole thing is like PlayStation's been having insane sales, so I keep buying games that like I definitely don't need. Like 
I got the those summer sales, baby. I got the Witcher. I bought all of the um Bioshock games. I bought uh um what else did I get? Oh, Dead Island. All the Dead I played Dead Island for the Xbox. I don't know. I like I was like, this would be fun to play again. Uh I've been playing Detroit. Um, as you know, you gave me a copy of it. What is the other I got a bunch of other stuff. Oh, Ruiner, which is amazing. Ruiner, like if you're like looking for a cyberpunk game, it's actually really fucking good and fun. It's extremely like basic in a way, but it's really stylish. Mm-hmm. Great music, amazing music. Um, yeah. Anyhow, I be- did you get uh, Blazing Chrome? No, I've gotten Blazing Chrome yet. I did get the new Wolfenstein uh, or Wolfenstein, depending on who you talk to, which is like I kind of didn't realize that it wasn't much of a story driven game. I mean, it sort of is, but it wants you to play co op. And yeah, you know, as you know, I hate to play with other people. Um, mm-hmm. Outer Worlds kinds of kind, sorry, out of uh, Outer Worlds kind of looks like um, uh, Mass Effect. Nah, Mass Effect. Yeah, it kind of looks like Mass Effect. To me, it, it feels like Fallout meets like Borderlands. It's super fall. It's super Fallouty. Like very fall. Is this by the Fallout team? Um, so it's like takes place like in outer space. Yeah, and it's like you know one of those. It looks. It doesn't look future corporate the graphics. Like aren't very good. Soap opera, space opera. I don't know. I I think it looks interesting and more exciting to me at the moment. This to maybe just because it's brighter and it feels like more accessible than cyberpunk. This to me, re- it really looks like fallout and it also like, doesn't look that good. I feel, but I would play this. Although it looks like a lot of stuff that I'm not excited about, to be honest with you. Well, when I get it, I will report back. Anyhow. So my nice thing is that I'm taking up, I'm, I'm going back through the catalog and the Witcher is part of it. And I'm going to play some games that I haven't played uh and you know see if i've missed any experiences like i didn't but i still haven't finished it um but prey which is an amazing game uh, like i didn't know anything about for like a whole year and i was like oh wait i should play this so like yeah you know just check out just you know watch for the watch for the sales is my is my word to you keep your eyes peeled for the sales <laughs> that's it that's my nice thing it's not very good all right well we did it all right well i guess um we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here all right bye bye Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. So I've just been informed that a startup has discovered a way to vaporize your family, and it's very cost effective.